I'm thankful for our band. Thank you, guys. These guys are excellent. They have a spirit of excellence. They have a spirit of dedication. They're going to be amazing tonight. I can't wait. But you know what? They just kind of reflect the heart of our volunteers. Every year in October, we have a series called I Love My Church. If you said, Pastor Tim, why do you love Momentum Church? To me, Momentum is not a cafeteria. To me, Momentum is not a building. To me, Momentum is people. And it is people who truly love Jesus. And I understand maybe you're here today and you don't know him. And you're like, man, I'm not sure about this God stuff. Hey, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. And I understand there may be people here and you're, I, I don't buy into all this stuff. But someone's been asking me to come. So I finally get them off my back. I showed up today. You could not be around better people than anywhere. I promise you that today. I don't care wherever you traveled. You could not be around better people than the people here at Momentum Church. And the spirit of excellence you see up here every Sunday is reflected in every team. It's reflected in every team. Right now we have people serving. You, you'll never even meet them. You won't see them, but they're here and they're serving. Why? Because they're willing. Someone say willing. Willing. You know, the next few weeks, we're going to continue to talk about what it means to be willing and how we live out this willingness together. Last week, I introduced to you our first nautical marker. And we said, number one, we said that it's all about, I'm saying someone was listening. It's all about, so if it's all about Jesus, then it's not about me. And if it's all about Jesus, then it's not about you. If it's all about Jesus, it's really all about Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Well, we talked about it last week. We realize that there is only one name. And it's all about Jesus because Jesus is hope. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And he is the savior of the world. And what this world needs is Jesus. And as Jesus followers, we get to give people hope. We get to show people Jesus. How do we do it? We do it in the way we talk. We do it in the way that we live. We do it best of all in the way that we love. Out of ten people, only one will read the Bible. And the other nine will read the person that reads the Bible. So we're talking about being willing. I want to take you... To the Old Testament, there's this guy by the name of David. You've heard of him before. We spoke of him earlier. David. David portrays the word willing. You see, he was obedient and he was willing. His father said, take care of the sheep. So what did he do? He obeyed. And he obeyed. If you're a parent, teach your kids to obey. Don't wait till they're 16 to try to get them to listen to you. It's too late. Don't laugh at them when they're young and they're being disrespectful and, and you think it's hilarious and you laugh at them because when you laugh when they're little, you'll cry when they're older. Teach them to be obedient now. Teach them to listen, to be obedient, but teach them to be willing. If David was a man, and he was, a man after God's own heart, one of the reasons, one of the greatest reasons is because David was willing to do everything, anything, or nothing. He was just willing. What can be better said of someone than they are just willing? In fact, the reason why you have the friends that you do 
And some of the deepest relationships that you've ever had is because that person was willing to be there with you in your darkest days. I mean, that's when the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? When you go through, everyone else like, oh, like the prodigal ran out of money. And they're like, see ya. <laughs> see ya, buddy. We ain't going to be with you anymore. And when you hit and you go through the layers of disappointment and discouragement and failure and pain, and you maybe walk through bankruptcy, you lose a business or you lose a marriage, you lose someone in your family that you cared about, someone that you love truly and dearly and deeply gets cancer. And when you go through your darkest days, it's the people that are willing to be there. It's not what they're going to say. It's just that they're willing to stand with you. And that's the people we remember. The people that were willing to be with us in our darkest days. Are you with me? David was willing. He was willing to be a shepherd boy. One day he was guarding sheep and a bear came. And he was willing to protect the sheep, which meant he had to face a bear. Mean meant he had to have courage. And he killed that animal. One day a lion came and a lion was hungry. And a lion thought, oh, look at all these sheep. Yummy, yummy. You know, yummy, yummy. And David had to face that lion. And David killed that lion. He was willing to do whatever he had to do. He was willing. David later would be sent to his brother's. His dad would say, hey, go find your brothers. Take them the cheese. Take them the bread. I like to think it was cheese bread. And to take them, go hook them up. Tell them I love them. Tell them I, I believe in them. Tell, tell them that they're mighty. They're the head and not the tail. David got out there, and he was obedient. He was willing to do it. When he got there, he heard this Goliath, this giant, who was defiant against God and against God's people. Imagine that. Imagine living in a society where people were bold. And speaking out against the one true God. And David heard that crap. And he said, I'm willing to do something about it. And David didn't need Saul's armor. He just needed the spirit of God inside of him to face the enemy. Because at the end of the day, David already knew that his praise had already been on his lips the day before. And the week before and the month before. Because David worshiped God in spirit and in truth. And David said, who is this Philistine? Who is this yacker? Takes me back to my grandfather. He did not know Jesus. I was a camp counselor. I was at this camp. It was junior week. Junior week, which meant it was first through sixth graders. And the stage was about 10 feet tall. And we were sitting in the second or third row. And, and the preacher was preaching. And he was on fire, man. He was preaching. Now, we're surrounded by elementary school students. I was a camp counselor. Are you with me? You with me? And my grandfather didn't know Jesus, didn't want to know Jesus. He was very religious, very. He just didn't know Jesus. He could tell you about Jesus, but Satan can tell you about Jesus, but Satan doesn't know him. Satan can quote the Bible, but Satan's not going to heaven. Are you with me? And so my grandfather was sitting down there, and the preacher was preaching. He's preaching away. And my grandfather turned, and he's like, is this preacher ever going to shut up? All he does, and then the hand came up, not the hand. And his hand came up, and he said, all he does is yak and yak and yak and yak. And all these kids lost it. The preacher lost where he was going. And I just, all these kids began laughing and laughing and laughing. I thought, oh, Grandpa George, what are you doing? You're killing me. You're killing me. He was willing to speak up 
when he thought it was going too long. See, we can be willing to do the wrong things in life. More importantly, we can be, do, be willing to do the right things in life. There's a verse in the Bible where God says, I'm looking for a man or a woman that should stand in the gap before me and the world. That's what Noah did. Noah preached. He preached you talking about, man, listen, you need God. You need God. And like, oh, we don't need him. We don't need him. We don't need him. And he stayed faithful. Not, not an event. He, he, it was a lifestyle with him. David would teach us also the same. That, that being willing isn't just a time in your life when you're willing to follow God. When you're willing to love God. When you're willing to pursue God. But it's more of a lifestyle. Are you willing? Are you willing to give God your everything? Way back in the book of Ecclesiastes. Scripture tells us that God is looking for people that are willing to serve him and to serve him like all out. All out, like you're everything, like the way a husband's supposed to love a wife. That we're supposed to love God that way. And we're to, supposed to love him above everything and everyone. That our love for him compared to anything or anyone else is not even close. Are you with me? And David demonstrated that he was willing time and time again. And, and he's willing. So he goes after the giant. We know he kills the giant. And then Saul says, hey, hey, I want you to lead a thousand men. And David's willing to do that. And then Saul says, they, they bring David to him. And Saul has depression. And, and he says, man, I need you to play your harp. They say you're really, really good at that. And David's just willing to do whatever it takes. And by serving people, we serve God. Did you know that? That's the truth. I want you to hear. By serving others, we serve God. If you're a business owner, the greatest way you can build that business is by serving the people that work for you. Hold their ladder. Serve them. Love them. Do to others like you wish they would do for you. That's what Jesus said. We, we can serve people. And when we serve people, we're serving God. Does that make sense? Anyone follow me? And you don't just have to serve God by serving in the church. It's not just limited to that. You can serve your next door neighbor. I'll never forget. I'll never forget one time coming home and, and a neighbor had cut our grass, was finishing up. Wow. I'll never forget a couple of weeks ago coming to, back to the house and my neck was in, I was hurting so bad. I hurting so bad. And I got home and our neighbor across the street came and said, man, God just put on my heart to pray for you and your neck. And I, he was in Navarre. I was here. I didn't talk about how bad my neck hurt in the message. He said, you know what? You pray for my wife. You pray for so many people. I want to pray for you. And he served me. And I, I teared up as he prayed over me. Because when you serve people, you serve God. When you honor people, you honor God. And that's what we get to do. And so we're talking about who we are. And we have these 12 nautical markers that are going to help us along our way to be the church God created us to be. You see, there's a verse in the Bible where, where Jesus said, I will build my church. And he wasn't talking about any of us. He was saying, I will build my church. So he said he would, and he said it was his. He said he would do it. And when God says he's going to do it, mark it down, it's going to happen. But here's a really cool thing. He does it through you and me. In other words, God wants to use you, and God wants to use me to build his church. When I was in ninth grade, ninth grade, ninth grade, take me back, ninth grade, they were like, all right, we're going to, 
in history class this year, you're going to get up every week and you're going to, five minutes, you're going to talk about a historical event. And I remember thinking, speaking in front of people is not what I want to do for a living. In fact, I not only thought it's not what I was going to do, I was pretty sure it wasn't in the agenda. I had a fear of public speaking. Anyone here, don't raise your hand, anyone here tracks it with me? You're like, man, I do a lot of things. Do not get me in front of people with a microphone. I don't want to do it. No, thank you. But you know what? For years and years and years, the enemy told me, you can't do it. You can't do that. You can't do that. In fact, there would be situations where I'd look at other people serving God, and the enemy would say in my ear, you could never do that. You'll never do that. And so we don't have to listen to the enemy. We can change the channel. One day I just changed the channel. And I began to believe that God could use me in my brokenness. God could use me in my weakness. That actually being weak, actually thinking that, man, I couldn't do that. I'm disqualified. I'm not good enough. I'm unqualified. I'm undeserving. Everything the enemy said was actually all the things that the Lord was looking for. That God was like, yeah, you're undeserving, but my grace is sufficient. Yeah, you're unqualified, but I'm the qualifier. I'm not looking for perfect people. I'm not looking for the brightest people. I'm just looking for people who are willing. And I don't know. There might be someone here today that that's you, that the enemy has told you, man, you can never serve God. You can never do this. You can never live for him. You can never invite someone. You can never tell someone about the hope that's within you. But it's, I want to call Satan's bluff. It's a lie. It's just a fly. You swat it and kill it and move forward. We are going to be the church that God dreams us to be. And you know how we're going to do that? We're going to do that by living out these nautical markers. By saying, you know what, Lord? Like, have your way in my life, whatever it means. The one word is surrender. We said this, number one, it's all about, say it with me, it's all about Jesus. It's really all about him. Sometimes in churches, people want to make it about them. But it's not about them, it's about him. And I know that Momentum Church is not a perfect church. You know why? Because I'm the pastor. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. When we first started the church one Sunday, someone was late getting a trailer and all that stuff. And I got angry and I punched the trailer. And I broke my hand. Then I had to get up and preach. Some of y'all were there that Sunday. You remember. And I got up there with a hand three times the size of my normal fist, which is huge normally. But it, I should, it, it was really huge, and it was throbbing. Every time my heart went, thump, 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 my hand went like, you idiot. And I started to hold like this because it was killing me. You know, and I just got up and I said, you know, this morning, <laughs> I got to confess. Y'all don't want to hear that. And the church responded. Everyone woke up. Oh, yeah. And I told them what happened, you know, and people came up afterwards and said, thank you for saying that. I'm not perfect either. None of us here are perfect, and God's not looking for perfect people. That's why we say no perfect people allowed. God's just looking for willing people. Number two, I want to tell you today, we know some things. Here's our second nautical marker. We know some things only come by prayer and fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is when you deny yourself of food. For a limited amount of time that you decide ahead of time so you can pray. Because what is in front of you, only God can change. Only God can move. Only God can heal. Only God can do. When we first started, we started um, 
at Shoreline Park. Then we went to um, went to the beach. We were at the pier, Oyster Bar. Then we ended up in the middle school. It was a new day because October had come and and uh, and gone, and it was freezing and it was rainy. It rained like every Sunday. And so we finally got inside, but we had an obstacle in front of us, and that was we were told you cannot sit in chairs like you're sitting, like you didn't even think about it this morning. You just came, you sat down. We had the middle school tables that folded out and had little blue saucers that middle school young people sat at as they threw food at each other. That's how it was going to be. And we were told, you cannot have chairs. You're not allowed to move these tables. So we sat at tables, you know, like where you're facing each other. That's how it was. First two weeks in there. But you know what we did? We prayed and we fasted. You know what? The same person that said, no, it's not an option. After a week of prayer and fasting said, yeah, yeah, I think we could do that. No problem. Yeah, we could change that shirt. Why? Because some things only come by prayer and fasting. And I, I want to tell some of you today, if, if, if you need a job and you've gone six months without a job, get serious enough to pray and fast because only some things come by prayer and fasting. And that's a nautical marker with us because we've experienced the miracles. We've experienced the miracles. Ezra 8.23, read this with me. Watch this. You read it silently, I'll read it out loud. So we fasted, and what's the next word? Earnestly. That's when your kids keep asking you till they wear you down and you say yes. Are we tracking? So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take, what's the next word? Care of us. And he what? He heard our prayer. Look at Matthew 6, 4. Matthew 6, 4. Matthew 6, 4 says, give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Matthew goes on to say to pray in private and to fast. And when you give and you fast and you pray, you will see God move in a way that you've never experienced before. So I don't know whose marriage is hanging by a thread. I don't know who needs a job. I don't know who is in financial misery today. You feel like, man, if God doesn't show up. But I'm telling you, there is a weapon that we have that, that destroys every stronghold of the enemy. And some things only come by prayer and fasting. And if there's a mountain in front of you and you're like, I can't, I truly can't do anything about it. I can't change it. Well, I want to tell you really good news. God can. And he waits sometimes to see how earnest we are. And when we get earnest with him and we seek him, then we see that some things only come by prayer and fasting. Some of you, God has blessed your business because you got earnest. Some of you, God's healed a marriage or a relationship because you prayed and you fasted. We've had stories come in where promotions, they prayed and they fasted. And just God, for your favor on my life. And God began to pray or sorry, as they prayed, God began to bless them in amazing ways. Sometimes protection, sometimes provision. Or a second nautical marker is we know some things only come by prayer and fasting. There's a story. It's found in Mark 9. And the disciples are trying to help this person who's demon-possessed. By the way, there's still people demon-possessed today. And... The disciples are trying to cast out this demon. And some of you maybe have watched movies like that. 
there's an exorcism, and you watched it, and that's actually a real thing. And the enemy, just like the Lord is looking for people who will surrender, the enemy is looking for people who will surrender to him, who he can use. He just wants to be the hand in the glove. And these disciples were trying to help this guy, and they were trying to cast out the demon, and they couldn't do it. And then Jesus came. Look at it, Mark 9, 28 through 29. And when he had gone indoors, that's what we do in Florida in the summertime, when we're not at the beach, we go indoors. His disciples asked him privately, why, why, could not, why, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but by prayer and fasting. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. So we know some things only come by prayer and fasting. The greatest weapon you have as a Christian when it comes to prayer and breakthrough is to declare a fast. And watch what God does. Number three, here's a third nautical marker for our church. We are a generation of honor. We are a generation of honor. Why? Because people matter to God. Every person matters to God. And so we want to honor them. That's why we want things to be excellent here. We want things to be right. We want things, we, we want you to know that every Sunday, every Sunday, man, every Sunday is going to be on. So you can feel like, man, I'm going to bring someone. Because I know it's not up and down every Sunday. You know, it's like going to a restaurant. We, we want to go to the ones that are great every time we go. And the service is excellent every time. And the quality is excellent. And that's, that's where we want to be. And so we're a generation of honor. Now, what does that look like? What that looks like is that God is calling you to get in the game and giving you an opportunity to get in the game and to be a part of something far greater, far greater than just coming and just living life and just going through life and trying to just trying to get through. No, 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 no. We can serve God by honoring people. We're a generation of honor. So how's that look like? Well, today people got here real early and people began to set this cafeteria up. All of this, everything you see, people began to set up. Look at this. Look at what's behind the curtain. It's like the Wizard of Oz. This is the Wizard of Oz. The voice. They found out it was just a person. You know what? Just regular people come in here every week and they set this up because they know that every week people will come in here whose lives are broken, who their dreams are shattered, who their hearts are hurting, who the tears are flowing, and they know that maybe they can just be a small part of being a community to help lighten the load. And I love our volunteers. We have so many volunteers. They're amazing. They're amazing. And I want to challenge you to get in the game. I want to challenge you to say, you know what, man, we can, we can be a part of this because God's kingdom moves forward when we get in the game. See, there is this cloud of, of witnesses. The Bible says that they've, they've already lived their life and they lived their life for Jesus. There are a lot of people live their life and they will waste it. And I'm telling you, don't waste your life. I love that sound. Sounds like Jesus is calling. It was a sports update. A sports center. That's perfect. 
Because Jesus is calling you to get in the game. Thank you, Lord. That was your wake-up call. Y'all, y'all wondering if we planned that, aren't you? I'm not going to tell you. I think one of the saddest things will be people that when they get to heaven, they realize that they live for them. And they realize that the Bible is true and that people's lives matter. I think there will be people with great regret in heaven. And here's the really good news. It doesn't have to go that way for you. And there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that you serve in the church and you serve outside of the church. It shouldn't just, it shouldn't just stop in the walls of the church, but it shouldn't just be outside the church. Man, if this is your church, then if this is your church, then get in the game. Roll your sleeves up. Don't get in the game because of shame. Get in the game because you realize that the kingdom is at hand. I'm going to talk about this one day and I'm going to teach through it, but Jesus is coming again. And that's my hope. That's my hope. And not a hope like I hope so. No, no, no. A hope like, ooh, Jesus. This, this, this is not as good as it gets. This world's not my home. Like, I'm enjoying the beauty of this world. This beauty ain't got nothing on heaven. And there are people right now, they're cheering us on. Every day, cars pass. And every day, lives pass. We watch Prince Pass. We watched Muhammad Ali, the greatest. Well, he wasn't, he's a, maybe the greatest boxer, but he wasn't the greatest. The greatest was Jesus. And Jesus came and he gave his life for one reason, because that was the only way to save other people's lives. And then he called people to himself and he challenged them to go. He said, I will build my church. But then he said, but I'm going to use you. I'm going to need you. And I want to thank you guys because every Sunday there are people out here. You stand out there and you wave at cars and you smile. Why? Because there are people angry at God. Because someone represented God and they sucked. They thought they were like God, but they weren't anything like him. I remember 12 years ago reading my Bible in Wendy's in Cantonment, and a guy walked in, and he, you could tell he was better to everybody. And I was reading my Bible, and I was not reading the version that he thought I should be reading. He didn't even know me. Walked up and asked what version it was and then told me how wrong I was. And I thought, you remind me a lot like the Pharisees in the Bible, that you, you talk the game, but your heart doesn't even know Jesus. And I'm telling you guys, we have a community of people that they've seen Jesus misrepresented and we get to paint Jesus for who he is we get to be the hands and the feet of Jesus because that's the hands and feet he has on this earth Jesus wants to pray for people but he wants you to pray for him Jesus wants you to Jesus wants to love people but he wants me to love people Jesus wants to be kind to people and give hope to people but he uses he uses your lips and my lips See, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. And I'm telling you, Momentum Church exists so we can reach people far from Jesus. That's the deal. And we get to do this together. I I, I just have gotten into, you know, deep sea fishing. And boy, I like to go deep sea fishing. And and especially with the boats that have the fish finder. Because I don't have the patience for fishing. I got the patience for catching 
I want to reel them in. I almost got jerked in the other day. I want to reel them in. There are people out there that God's grace is pursuing them, and they've taken the bait, and then they realize it, and they're zzzz, and they're trying to get away. And it's only by our love that their life is going to stay on the line. We get to be Jesus. And I'm telling you, Momentum Church, our best days are not behind us. Our best days are before us. And this church, this church right now, is big, but it's very small compared to what it's going to be. Because of the size of your heart. And every week we have people that wave and they smile. And we have, and we have people in the parking lot that help people. And smile and wave. You know why? Because the message doesn't start when Pastor Tim gets up. The message starts on the road on 98. <laughs> we were in our meeting. We have executive leadership meeting on Mondays. And we were talking and, and someone shared. Or maybe it was Monday night. The whole team. Some, was it you, Ben? It was you. Ben was out there and he was waving. He said, man, I was waving to people. And he said, man, someone drove by and they flipped him off. I said, well, what did you do, Ben? Man, that's awesome. That's awesome because there, pe- there are people out there, and that, man, they think, screw church, screw religion. That's what they think. I want to tell you something. We get to represent Jesus. We get to smile back and understand that that's only a heart that's been hurt that needs the hope of Jesus. So we don't get angry with that. that that's the fish. You'll get angry when you get a fish on the line. Pfft. You let it down, all of a sudden your bait's gone. That, that's what I'm talking about. That means they're down there. Give me more bait. I'm going to reel them in. I'm going to flay them, bronze them. I'm going to eat them and lick my lips. Right? And when we see people far from God and you got a neighbor that's nasty, or you got a coworker across the cubicle, and they're just ugly. I'm not talking about like ugly. You may have that too. I'm talking about ugly. And you invite them, and they just blast you. No, no, no. That's we're fishing. Fishing's messy. If you're fishing, you gotta be okay with fish guts. You, you don't catch a fish and not want to touch it. You want to hold that thing up, hold it far out, and get a picture. It look bigger. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. A little twelve inches. The camera's on the other side. And you're like, they're like that fish was like three feet. It was big, wasn't it? You know, Jesus' favorite song, his favorite song is the song of the redeemed. Now, let me tell you what that means because that's a big word. His song is, is the song from people who are so far from him and one day realized that he was who he said he was and he could do what he said he could do and they experienced Jesus. I love it when people get rescued here and then they go on Facebook and they say, this is going to shock a whole bunch of y'all. I love it. I love it. Because that's what he does best. He walks right into our mess and he says, I love you just how you are. I know you're a drug addict, sex addict, alcohol has dominated your life and cost you a couple marriages. But I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sick, for the hurting and the helpless. Because when we're at our worst, he's at, our, he's at his best. And if the church isn't the church, then who's going to be the church? Because the government's not going to do it. 
if the church was really the church, forget the government, like not bad, but like we depend on the government. But if God's church was just the church, we wouldn't need the government to take care of people because they would be in the back of the line saying the church is so arrived that the line is too long. We can't even get to them. They're already being helped. That's how it used to be. You go back to history and the church created the hospitals. The church did. Why? Because we realized, and I got, I'm, I'm going to land it here, but we realized that God had a dream that, that God could take broken things and broken people and he could take them and he could redeem it like an iTunes gift card. He could redeem them. He could cash in and say, I know you used to go like that. I know you used to run from me, but that big fish got your attention. Now you're going to preach the house down. Everyone's going to get saved. I know you used to think my last name was a cuss word, but now you're going to point people to me with your love. That's, that's, and the dream of this church that Jesus died for is the invitation we get invited to, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I want to, I want to say, man, get in the water. It's good. Jump in here. Jump in here. Get fully invested. Whether you're waving or you're, some of you got talent out there, you could sing. Listen, if you keep your talent to yourself, it's going to rust. God gave you more than talent. God gave us all a gift. And when we leverage, when we lay our gift, and we say, God, I surrender my gift to you, God takes that thing to a whole nother level. And that's when people are drawn. I hope you hear what I'm saying today. God wants you. He wants you. And not like, oh, he wants you. Like, he wants you. And he says, I can use you. You say, I've let you down before. And he says, you're forgiven. I don't even remember it. Some of you say, I don't have anything. And he says, hey, man, if you're empty, I'm full. This is good. I'd rather use empty people than people fool themselves. As they go around looking at what versions. I just want to put my version in you. And that's called life change. There are people here today. There are people here today. That if you would put some energy there are people here today that do put a lot of energy. That's why momentum happens. It's because of great people that have said, you know what, Lord? I want to live for you. I want to get under the weight because I believe your church is great. And so whether it's on front or in the back production, it's a camera, it's a button, it's a screen, it's holding a baby. I mean, no one likes a crying, screaming baby, right? And it's real quiet in here, real peaceful right now. You know why? Because it's not out there. Because there are people that they know that to love God means to love other people. And if it's holding a crying baby, soothing an anxious baby, whether it's serving our kids right now, my son, he serves in the worship. He is practicing last night. Why? Because he just realized we get to be something. We're so small. We get to be a part of a big picture. We get to be in this thing because heaven's cameras are rolling and God is telling the story and he wants you to get in the game would you do it today and some of you I just want to encourage you some of you you've fallen out of the game get back in it get back in it you can do it and he'll do it through you 
heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you, how many people say, Tim, I know Jesus, and I'll be honest with you, man, I've lost it. I've lost my fire. I've lost my desire. You know, I'm young, but I think in Christian life, I've just retired. I just kind of sat down. I just kind of played it out. I just said uh, other people would do it. Maybe you bought into the lies of the enemy, and you just felt like, you know what? Um, someone else can do it. Everyone thought someone would do it. No one does it. Then we're in trouble. You say, you know what, Tim? I'm not going to retire. I'm going to refire. I've fallen down. I got wounded. I got broken. I, I messed up. I sinned. What, whatever it is, man, maybe, maybe your health is taking you out. And I'm telling you, Jesus has restoration. He can forgive you, and he can heal you. Nothing he can't do. If that's you and you say, man, I've just kind of kind of become lukewarm. I guess we could throw that word out there. Just kind of just here. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, man, I'm getting in the game. Whether you're serving at the church or not, I'm not just even talking about that. I'm talking about giving God everything, 100%, full throttle, full speed ahead. Fish on. That's what I'm talking about. If that's you, would you raise your hand all over? I see hands raised from the front to the back. I see them all over. This is your hand to God. I'm not counting hands. This is you to God saying, God, here I am. Help me. And I close with this, that there's some people here, we, we never like to close a gathering, never like to close a gathering without giving people an opportunity to make Jesus their Savior. And so if you're here today and you've done the religion thing and the baptized thing and you were that religion, you went to that church and that church and that church, and, and you, you, you just don't know. And, and maybe you're here today and you're religious, but you're lost. Like you've got all like... Paul said in Corinthians, man, if we want to talk about, hey, I got my act together. I, I dotted all the I's. I crossed all the T's. But it's not church membership that's going to get you into heaven. It's, it, it's not giving money and offering that's going to get you into heaven. It's was there ever a time where you humbled yourself, you went to the cross, you bowed before the cross, and you asked Jesus to forgive you and cleanse you and save you. Save you from what? Save you from your sins because your sins will bring a penalty that you experience after death. And this isn't a scare tactic. This is a, this is a moment of grace and mercy where Jesus says, you don't got to go that way. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one will ever get to the Father but through me. And through him is not religion. And through him is humbling yourself and confessing with your mouth that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. And it's not by depending on all your good works through all the years and all the times you went to church and that you were baptized the right way and that you're a member of the right church because that church said if you weren't a member of their church, you were going to go to hell. What a, what a strategy. Interesting how several different denominations say that. But Jesus never said that. He said, come to me. Everyone. That's tired and weary and broken. And I will give you rest. Come to me. That's what he's saying today. You just need to come to him. And he will give you rest. Rest for your souls. He'll forgive you of your sin. He'll make you whole. If that's you today, can I lead you in a sinner's prayer? We'll pray it out loud together. Let's pray it out loud together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Some of you are going to pray this for the first time. And you're going to pass from death to life. And you would say, repeat after me, Jesus. Say it out loud, crowd. Let's go. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I invite you into my life to make me new. Teach me how to live. I ask you to forgive my sins. 
and save me. Thank you for rising again. I receive your life. In Jesus' name, I pray. If you pray that prayer today for the first time, the Bible declares emphatically that you've crossed from death to life. And heaven is having a praise party. And we just want to clap. We just want to kind of join in the applause and celebration of heaven right now. If that's you, would you raise your hand high? Spirit of God, thank you that you'll give them courage. We want to celebrate with you on the count of three. You raise it. Just hold it up high. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Hold it up high on the count of three. One, two, three. Right now. That's right. That's right. Hold it up. I see your hand. I'm so proud of you. You've crossed from death to life. Jesus has made you new. Who else? Yes. Yes. That's what we celebrate. This is what it's about.